Hey, this is Vanessa. This is Carlos. And you're listening to Retro Ad Review. This is a podcast where we select a couple of random old TV commercials and review them. So if you like commercials, listen in. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Retro Ad Review, Christmas edition. Boom. <laughs> so Hi, in on. <laughs> In honor of Christmas, uh, we're going to be looking at toys, but in particular, toy crazes. Things that made people go boom, made people go mad and <laughs> made their head go boom. lose their mind um, over pieces of fabric and plastic, which, you know, we're all suckers for. So I think with that wonderful intro, we'll just dive into the very first commercial of the very first toy craze that we were alive for. The Cabbage Patch Kids. Some of this year's babies have a first tooth. Is she okay, Doc? She's just teething. <gasps> what a relief. Brand new hairstyles. What lovely hair. Where does she have it done? It's natural. It's natural. And some kids even wear eyeglasses. Like them? Like them. I love them. kind of creepy so that is the craze of the cabbage patch kids this commercial is about the cabbage patch kids if you want to see this commercial yourself you can go onto youtube and type in 1983 commercials cabbage patch kids toys so the commercial itself is this really dour drab looking 1980s look cigarette butt look <laughs> yeah i think the 1980s either looked barbie neon like insane neon colors or it looked like a mcdonald's ashtray from the 1980s <laughs> this one falls into the latter camp so in this commercial it just shows various kids interacting with their cabbage patch kid dolls so in the first vignette um a little girl's in a waiting room and this doctor who presumably is paid by the hour i don't know brings the doll over and tells the little girl that the doll's okay the dentist um, the, is like she's just teeny. oh yeah he's a dentist like a or a barber. doctor he yeah he looks like a barber With we don't know what no he hair. is he, he could be a barber barbers were surgeons a long time ago so <laughs> that's the first thing and the little girl's really relieved that her doll's fine and there's another sequence where there's a little girl getting her hair done in a salon and With these, the golden girls and <laughs> and three old women are asking questions and trying to get to know the girl and i don't know fussing with the hair because you know women in the 80s and then the last... i like that line she says though it's like uh it's natural it's natural and the the lady who got the perm and everything she's like upset she's like, oh, it's natural excuse me uh yeah she's a bit like this this how um, and then the final one is a little boy at an optometrist. And I suspect the optometrist is fitting a Cabbage Patch kid with custom Cabbage Patch glasses. He asked the kid if the kid likes it. And the kid's like, yep. And the then like it's eight or so, though. The kid's too old. Higher. The kid's too old to like this Cabbage Patch. I'm sorry. That sounds really mean. There's not a specific age to stop. Yeah, there's not a specific age to stop stuff. But I think he's just a little too old. 
That's my hang up. The kid could like whatever he wants. And his dad um, looks like Velma Dinkley from Scooby-Doo. It does. It's got the glasses. It's got like the short hair. It's got like the orange top. It's just Velma. Like the orange and red. Yeah. And the commercial itself ends with the Cabbage Patch Kid logo over a like stop motion Cabbage Patch Kid opening up and, you know, raising its arms into the sky. It's creepy to me. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like, like it one bit. Pretty- it was like claymation stop motion. Yeah, stop motion claymation is always creepy. So it just, it's creepy. And also, I don't really like Cabbage Patch Kids. I think their heads are too round. I don't like them. <laughs> so that's what this commercial is. So if you're intrigued, oh, have a little watch. Yeah. So as far as the Cabbage Patch Kids themselves go, them with the ugly heads, they're basically... <laughs> They're basic soft sculpture baby dolls with plastic heads. Soft sculpture is like that weird. You know how they feel weird? They have like really, really stuffed tight bodies. It's some <clears throat> sculpture people. <laughs> tight. Um, <laughs> no, uh, like how sometimes how you see a scarecrow outside. Yeah, yeah. You know how we all see scarecrows outside. Yeah, in the urban city, how you see a scarecrow. Okay. Trying to scare off pigeons, or in the in the slopes, trying to scare we, off the yetis. We've all seen scarecrows, so yeah. So it's that kind of like squishy body thing, but yeah, hard. It's got a structure to it. One might say soft, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but the origins of it are a little bit complicated. The story starts off with a woman named Martha Nelson Thomas. While a student in 1971, she started making something called doll babies and sold them at trade shows. Doll babies. In 1976, she met a man named Xavier Roberts at one of the trade shows, and he asked her to give him some so he could sell back in Georgia, where he was from. He eventually started making his own version in 1978 and called them the little people for his company, OAA. He bought out an old hospital and converted it into the Babyland General <laughs> Hospital. Sorry, Babyland General Hospital sounds so stupid. Um, sorry, go on. They had doctors and kind of cuter, but kind of dumber. They had licensed nurses. I forgot what they were called. They were called licensed cabbage nurses or something. They had the they yeah. were the ones who had the training and ability to pull out the kids from the cabbages themselves. To lift a cabbage patch kid from its cabbage. Yeah, like, so like, a, like a cabbage out, midwife. Like you're ha- pulling out a, a kid's head out from the, the mother's birth canal. You also are able to grab the kid's head and pull it out of a cabbage. <laughs> a cabbage doula. Um, it's, <laughs> it's so strange. Okay, they really got into the story yeah, so, around this story. So if you went there, you could see like if there are children being born. It's so it's cutish, I guess. Their main thing to set them apart was that they came with birth certificates and adoption papers. So that's cute. I think that is cute. I think it was Xavier Roberts that said, "No, you don't buy them; you adopt them," or something. When he was selling the trade shows, uh, something like that. That's cute. Wow, they really like got into the lore of their own Cabbage Patch creations. (laughs) Yeah. So it gave them a sense of individuality. And I heard, but I don't believe because of mass production, every one of them is just a little bit different. 
Uh-huh. Slightly different, but I don't believe that. So what, they like dent some in the head? <laughs> <laughs> eventually, <laughs> eventually, Roberts went to licensing agent Roger Schleifer, who to uh, get them to a manufacturer created with his wife, the book, The Legend of the Cabbage Patch Kids, which is how they came about, how they sprung out of uh, the cabbages. Hell. <laughs> how they sprung out of the cabbages to bring joy or something like that. But there was a weird element where there was these buzzy bees, bumbly bees, something weird and whimsical sounding that sprinkled their pollen dust over it. Ew! They they came out of the Cabbage Patch Kids came out of that or something. I don't like this at all. Okay. So don't put any bees around your Cabbage Patch. It's teaching you about the reproductive cycle of plants, I guess. So Yeah, or people. Schleifer made that so he could have something to sell people. And it's like, look, this could take off. I want this story, these books, everything to go off. He sold them to other things, but they didn't like them. Partially because they looked kind of ugly. I heard that they looked more like eggish or something like that. Ugh. They're not he great ev- now, he- so. <laughs> he eventually sold them to Coleco. Probably Coleco. Today for its electronics department. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I thought that because, like, the only thing I know about Coleco is ColecoVision, and I don't even know what ColecoVision is. Like, I genuinely don't even know what it is, but I know it's electronics. This is the Arcade Experience. We're ColecoVision. We bring the Arcade Experience home. So, like, they were in charge of Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah. That's why I I was a little surprised when I found out. I was like, that's weird. I thought it was going to be like Fisher Price or something. Yeah. This feels like a Fisher Price toy. So, because they were in a bit of trouble at that point, because after the video game crashed in 1983, they thought that the change of popularity would be in home computing so they made the Coleco Atom and it kind of was plagued with fatal bugs so like we need toys because they had another toy division it's like we need the toys so the company previously known as the Connecticut Leather Company got the master license while Schleifer licensed pretty much everything else to other manufacturers like book bags toys book bags pencils whatever the heck everything else Bed sheets, cabbages, <laughs> slapping uh, cabbage. Pe- oh well, man. So it paid off because the toys were very popular. It made Robert. They were. They certainly yeah. were. It made Roberts a millionaire by age twenty-six. Oh my! And it was popular, but it was too popular. The supply didn't meet the demand, mm-hmm. and. You had to be on a nine-month waiting list after it started getting hit. That's, that's crazy long. Yeah. That's too long. Riots started happening. People were pushing and shoving. A woman got her leg broken when she was trampled. And in that Ugh. same store, the owner, he had to jump on top of a table with a baseball bat to get people off. When the doors opened at this wilkes Valley, Pennsylvania store, the pushing and shoving began. One woman was knocked to the floor and suffered a broken leg. And there was one news report that showed a little girl. She, she had the doll and it was snatched out of her hand by an adult <laughs> woman. And oh she my cried. God. And I think in New Jersey, a pregnant woman was trampled, which is sad. Oh, wow. That's scary. So Black Friday tramplings have been around, I guess, since time immemorial. Yeah, there's tramplings everywhere. It's never a nice thing, though. 
In Milwaukee, there's a kind of a funny thing that happened. Two DJs joked, joked that Cabbage Patch Kids would be parachuted down from B-29 bombers. Why B-29 bombers instead of like a freight thing? And whoever had a catcher's mate could go to the field, catch one, and keep it. I it think they joke, went for B whatever bombers because it, to show it, it just a joke. sounds like an extreme joke. You have to go overboard for it to be a joke. Apparently what? it didn't land. Yeah, it didn't land because people actually showed up and didn't get a toy. Coleco had to suspend its advertising because the demand was so high. They had to take money out of the budget of the advertising and put it into supply. They had to ship more than $200,000 a week by plane from the manufacturer in Hong Kong. They're manufacturing about $200,000 a week in Asia and chartering planes to get them to stores in the United States. And in Nassau County in New York, they had to cut their advertising because they were threatened with false advertising by saying, hey, look, buy this. But there was no more supply. So technically, you're telling people, go buy something, but it's not there. I mm. think that's a little bit pushing I it. I feel that's, much. yeah, that's, that's okay. stretching it too much. Stupid. Uh, they said they expected to sell 2.5 million units, but they ended up selling 3.2 million units, which was a record for a toy company and toys back then. Wow. And even with 3.2 million, it still didn't meet demand. People wow. Still, this toy craze went on a few years. In 1984 was their highest. They sold $2 billion worth of products, which was wow. like the, the stencils and everything else that had their face on it. Your underwear or whatever, including the toys. <laughs> but the craze was dying down around 1986 because from 1984, they had $2 billion. 1985, they had 600 million, which was about 75% of the legal profit at the time. Uh, 1986, it was 250 million. And then by 1987, it was 125. Wow, that's a steep drop from yeah. 85 to 86. That's, that's a big drop. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Well, all things come to an end, I guess. Yeah. So the legacy of the craze, it inspired the parody nastiness of the Garbage Pail Kids. And yeah, the even worse movie. <laughs> have you seen that thing the movie of the garbage pail kids i have not and i don't think i ever it's will because so it weird. looks gross i didn't like the garbage pail <laughs> kids i think they yeah. I didn't it like also, the art don't like it it also helped inspire the child's play franchise because the creator saw the crazy he's like this is weird and then <laughs> it played into the very beginning one how the kid wanted it so bad right okay he so got a like, really, i thought really this is my buddy <laughs> He really got a bad defective one. Yeah, that's what it was based on more, my buddy, but the craze and various other things. Yeah, yeah, it helped feed into the story. In 1996, a little movie called Jingle All the Way came about with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad about a toy craze, which was inspired by the Cabbage Patch Kids. So this thing 13 years later inspired a movie. As far as everyone involved, Martha Thomas eventually sued Xavier Roberts, because, I mean, he essentially took her thing, right? Yeah. She sued him. He's like, I'm going to sell this down in Georgia. <laughs> and she's like, okay. And then, yeah, then yeah. a billion she, dollars later. She sued him in 1979. And then when the craze hit in 1983, she sued him for $1 million, which, I don't know, check the inflation price. It's probably $5 billion. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Afterwards, she just continued to make art. And she passed away in 2013. Roger Schleifer, he got Andy Warhol to paint the Cabbage Patch dolls in 1987 because he did the whole 
pop art stuff. What do you do? Did he do the can? Yeah, he did. The yeah, can. yeah, he did pop Marilyn Monroe and stuff. Uh, that was the same year he died. Oh. And Schleifer, the estate, gave him the licensing rights to the Andy Warhol estate. That's so crazy. He licenses all his works and everything. So that was good on That's him. That's crazy. Coleco, on the other hand, fared much worse. Like I said, they were in dire straits with their Coleco Adam failing, and they needed to buy the Cabbage Patch Kids. Cabbage Patch Kids gave them a whole lot of revenue, but they invested badly. They bought up other toy companies, which were kind of failing. Mm. And they, they put too much stock into the Cabbage Patch Kids. And once the popularity started dwindling, it didn't work out for them. They were left bankrupt in 1988. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And the dolls themselves went into the hands of Hasbro and a bunch of other companies. I don't think Play School or Fisher Price, but they've been handed down a lot. How have they not been with Play School or Fisher Price? That's what I would have guessed to begin with rather than Coleco. Yeah, when I saw Coleco at the end, I was like, that's weird. Or even but, like uh, Hasbro, but yeah. It, it's just it's so preschoolery. They, they're still around being sold as toys, but they never were really as huge as the craze. As back in the day. And that is the story of the Cabbage Patch Kids. I think our older sister had a Cabbage Patch Kid, but I think she got it later. I think so, were anyway. The, were the quints part of the Cabbage Patch Kids? No, I don't think so. They look really different. The quints yeah, were like they're many size. There were many size versions, so maybe they... And I don't think so. Them. Because they had the adoption paper thing too. You had to shove it in water. And I think it left like yellow pee in your water and you, you could see that I it was think, Ralphie or whatever. I think I think they that they probably just bit off of the cabbage patch concept for that. I think they're just I think that's what happened. Yeah, I think they did. See, you get five for the present one. I All just right. don't think they were from Cabbage Patch. They looked nicer. They looked more generic doll, like girl doll, but I think they looked nicer than Cabbage Patch's big ugly head. Well, we could look it up some other time. From Tyco. So let's move on to the next craze. So that was a craze <laughs> that, that took like, place. It sounds like we're fad hoppers or something. like this club. Next craze, please. So this craze took place from like in the mid 80s and died into the late 80s. Now, this craze that we're going to get into lasted pretty much just one year, but had a massive influence on many things during the time that it had its, its moment in the sun. Whatever. Let's just play the commercial. Who's giving everybody the giggles? It's Tickle Me Elmo. When your child tickles him, he talks, <laughs> laughs, and his whole body shakes. <laughs> Tickle Me Elmo and his Tickle Me friends from the Tyco Sesame Street family. Tyco. So we're going to talk about Tickle Me Elmo. If you want to watch this particular commercial, it's called Tickle Me Elmo, commercial 1997. Yeah. It basically starts off with Elmo as a cartoon tickling these little kids. And the set's really simple. It's just a blue couch with a yeah. blue house with blue windows and blue it's... curtains. <laughs> it's it's a. <laughs> uh, and a red little man. Um, yeah, the cartoon it's, it's unremarkable. He's tickling the little kids, and then he magic fairy dusts into the doll version, and the little kids start tickling him. I'm kind of impressed with this stuff. You touch it around this area, and it shakes or something. 
Yeah, and it shakes really like yeah, because the kid doesn't know what the heck they're doing. So it, it shakes like violently. Yeah, I just remember touching and tickle me Elmo at one point and just be like, "Whoa, this thing's going off!" Yes, yeah, so that's basically the rest of the commercial. The little kids are trading him off, tickling him, and he's just saying, "Ha that tickles." Then it advertises the rest of the line: Cookie Monster, Ernie, and not Bert, probably because he looks sad all the time, and Big Bird. True. Yeah, this and Elmo was from 1997, and the craze was in 1996. Though. Yeah, I, I guess it was still popular enough, but it wasn't the craze levels the next year. So I think they probably had just wanted to keep showcasing this line. Elmo looks much yeah. bigger than the other dolls too. It almost feels like lined up next to these dolls that he's clearly the flagship item. <laughs> he's um, like, look how big he is. So Elmo is a famous character from Sesame Street. Sesame Street is a long-running children's show, if you're unaware, that teaches kids good values and manners and ABCs and other educational pieces of information. So it's been going on since, what, around the 70s? And by the 1990s, its ratings had slipped because of the first time it ever had a major competitor in the preschool category, and that was Barney. So Barney from Barney and Friends was given Sesame Street and Big Bird a run for their money. And Barney was a really divisive character. They were like schoolyard rhymes against Barney. But he was a really big, big character at the time. Yeah, Barney was... I don't know. I don't understand uh, how anything... uh, Like Big Bird, he's for preschoolers, but once he turns six, he might not be that cool. But Barney engendered a lot of hate from... Yeah, people just hated Barney. We should do a thing on Barney because I don't know the story of Barney and I feel like I I should look into it. Yeah, let's go on a Barney episode. But this isn't about Barney. It's about Elmo and Sesame Street and people going crazy over toys. So... During this period, they had that competition. On top of that, many of the Sesame Street veterans, like the puppeteers and voice artists and things, were retiring or they were you know, sadly dying off. So it was kind of a bad or tumultuous time for the Sesame Street crew. Sesame Street is known for introducing new characters fairly frequently. There's a lot of different characters that kind of like are emblematic of certain things, like maybe... I think they recently introduced like a Korean puppet. I think um, so, like an autistic kid in the middle. Yeah, I think in like South Africa they had an HIV positive kid. It's all about education. That was a while stuff. back though. That was in the nineties, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was. Okay. I think it was yeah, some time they, ago. Yeah, I guess because you want to get every type of kid. You're not a freak kid. Here's yeah, it's just puppet. representative of like tolerance and treating each other kindly, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you can see yourself represented in Sesame Street. So it's very kid focused in a, in a very positive and nice way. I never liked Sesame Street because I wanted to say I was too cool for it, but I definitely wasn't too cool for it. I just didn't like it. I didn't find it interesting. I like Plaza Sesamo. I didn't like Plaza Sesamo. <laughs> so, right. So they introduced lots of characters and Elmo was created in 1980. And he became a supporting cast member. So he was just kind of there. Kevin Clash, who was the puppeteer slash voice artist, if I'm correct, took over the role in 1985. And it was him who gave him a very distinct personality and made Elmo much more popular than he was when he kind of debuted. He, Elmo became really popular with preschool kids and would eventually become synonymous with Sesame Street. I mean, yeah, I would put Elmo up there with Big Bird. If you think of Sesame Street, you tend to think of Big Bird, but Elmo definitely comes in that line of names if you have to name other Sesame Street characters. And Kevin Clash believes that the Tickle Me Elmo phenomenon helped in his and Elmo's popularity. So 
kind of going into the doll side of things, man named Rob Dubrin saw kids tickling each other in the park. And it gave him the idea of something called Tickles the Monkey. So in his concept, Tickles would be hooked up to a computer to move when tickled. So Tyco, toy company, wanted to do this, but they wanted to do it using a Looney Tunes character. Because if you may not recall, there was a weird Looney Tunes craze going on in the 90s. Was 1996 when Space Jam came out? Yeah. Okay, right. So massive craze around Looney Tunes. Don't know why, don't understand why. And there was a lot around Taz. So Tycho really wanted Taz to be the Tickle Me Taz, I suppose, but they lost the license for using Looney Tunes, so they couldn't do it. Instead of that, they ended up going with Sesame Street and they wanted Big Bird, but they ended up changing their minds and going to Elmo after, you know, realizing his growing popularity. Now, this Tickle Me Elmo, when it came out initially, it didn't sell well at first. It was competing with other Elmo and Sesame Street products. So it just kind of sat there on the shelves a little bit. Small shops were afraid to sell it because it came with a $35 price tag, which is quite a bit. So it wasn't really shifting like the the product. Now, Teichel's publicity agent, Freeman Public Relations Inc., decided to do something about it. And they remembered from... Oh, maybe about 10 years prior, there was another massive toy craze. And one thing that they remembered in particular about that toy craze was that a pregnant Today Show anchor, Jane Polly, showed the Cabbage Patch Kids dolls on the show. And it helped ease mothers into buying it for their kids. So it it brought that Cabbage Patch thing a little bit more into the, the limelight and introduced people to Cabbage Patch Kids. So Tycho took a note from the Cabbage Patch Kids and they chose Rosie O'Donnell who was a recent mother, to give it out on her show. She featured the doll on the show and tossed it into the crowd when a secret word of the day was spoken. It's like from Pee Wee Herman. Um, (laughs) So she was just throwing Elmo's around and it helped bring a lot of publicity to the toy. I think, I don't know, I think you were saying this or I think... I have a vague recollection that he was a guest a few times there, right? Yeah, I think so. I don't know why, but I have this memory of Rosie O'Donnell with Elmo. So I think he was a, a guest. Elmo, how's everything at Sesame Street? Everything's okay, Rosie. <laughs> she was like the so, midday person or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was um After she was Oprah kind of Yeah, exactly. She was kind of like an Oprah talk show host. She was really bubbly and positive. Very strange because I never thought of Rosie O'Donnell like that. And then the Rosie O'Donnell show came out and she was this like woman who helped, I don't know, sell good housekeeping products, that kind of stuff. Kind of a an really 80s, strange lady stand up weirdo. Yeah, that became like a household daytime talk show host. Oh, so. Mommy daytime show. Yeah. So and, you know, she threw koosh balls, which also helped raise the popularity of koosh balls. So she was just kind of quirky and fun. And this Didn't was a really good husband go there one time when he was a kid. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah, I think so. He's like a really, really prodigy art kid or something. Yeah, something like that. Am I thinking that? I think he was on like Larry King or something. Anyway, <laughs> either way, she was very popular. And this really helped propel Tickle Me Elmo into the stratosphere. It propelled um, and they threw him in the crowd. <laughs> in multiple ways. So Tycho underestimated demand and long lines formed around shops. A lot of people came home with nothing. On Black Friday in 1996, stores sold out very quickly, sometimes in minutes. So it was really hard to get your hands on Elmo. 
which really harkens to the Jingle All the Way film, which came out that year. Yeah. But it wasn't about Tickle Me Elmo. Very strange I stuff. I think I conflated the two in my mind because I was a little kid. I was like, wow, they, they really got a topical. But <laughs> that one was uh, based on the Cabbage Patch Kids. What? You didn't know about movie production, like the process and how long it takes? I what a stupid kid. Because it wasn't animated. Yeah. Well, no, Jingle All the Way was good fun. So yes, yeah, so, so because it was so difficult to come by, uh, the value went up and so did scalping. You would see resells in newspapers ranging into the thousands of dollars. A Classified got- ads with the uh, elbow. Get yourself a ticket. Yeah. How sketchy all of that must have been. Now we have Craigslist for that. So for other things, like one clerk got trampled after the crowd saw him and yelled, there's the Elmos, which is insane stuff. The concept, like that man must just been like fighting for his life and one of the clerks was sent to hospital after being trampled in the frenzy. Somebody in the crowd yelled, there's the Elmos, and they rushed us. Um, Didn't we have that in uh, Jing All The Way? There's yes, that's what I think of. It's like, it's Turbo Man, or the balls, or whatever it was. So that's why I just thought it was related to uh, Jing All The Way, but it wasn't. There were rumors that John Gotti Jr., the mobster, bought hordes of Elmos at one store, but accounts are conflicting about whether it was late shipment arrived or whether he was even there. So, you know, there were mysteries and rumors and gossip around Elmo. Um, but if the were... mob boss's son tells you, give me an Elmo, <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, you probably would give, give him an Elmo. Elmo. It's like, well, this is an easy one to not die. But on for some people at Tyco, they were also, they were given threats by people related to the toys. So there's just threats flying everywhere. Pre-purchases at shops were gift wrapped so people wouldn't be harassed as they left the store. <laughs> it's like secret service kind of weird <laughs> stuff. Cartier Jewelers had an employee who had an Elmo and they offered to put it on display wearing a necklace. So they made this weird offer, like buy the necklace for a million dollars and get an Elmo too. Can't confirm whether anyone bought it. I'm not quite sure that there's a massive overlap between people who are buying million dollar necklaces and not able to obtain an Elmo. So, or even want an Elmo. It was John Gotti. Yeah, you know what? John Gotti bought it. Let's just say that's what happened. There was this weird stunt where Elmo was atop a dilapidated old building and could only be saved if enough money was given to a charity. So the charity did reach its goal and Elmo was taken down with like a crane. He was put on a stretcher. They put like a little oxygen mask on him. They were checking his vitals. So it was all really weird and bizarre stuff happening around this toy. We have some good news for you tonight. KFDI Radio managed to raise $1,900 today to save Elmo. So how did kids respond to it? Kids really liked it. They really enjoyed it, like most kids. I mean, like, if you touch a Tickle Me Elmo, it's actually quite funny to feel because it's wobbling and stuff, and it's laughing, and the laughter is infectious and stuff. So it's a really pleasant toy. But one mother said that they only liked it for a little, and that's how all of these toys work. You get trampled at a shop, and your kid plays with the thing for a week, and then it's over. So they better be beaming on Christmas Day, or it is not worth it. So Tycho and... weird. It's a kid's toy, but the parents were the ones going crazy. Like, well, you how much could a preschooler want these things? The preschoolers are nightmares, so they could definitely want it lots. It's whether or not, but they have like the memory of a goldfish. So I want my kid to shut up. 
I mean, I was like I'll that. I remember like, I want this. Dollars. <laughs> and then you just forget about it. Um, so Tyco ended up selling about 5 million units, which is huge, huge sales. And in, in an interesting kind of turn of events for Sesame Street, Tickle Me Elmo brought renewed interest to the flailing Sesame Street brand. Remember we were talking about the bad time they were going through? This really helped them out. And it's sometimes credited with saving Sesame Street. So thanks to this little robot doll that shakes loads through a vibration machine, Sesame Street got a leg up. And Sesame Street's a good thing. So that's really yeah. nice that it worked out for. Yeah, because in 1998, they brought in the Elmo's World segment, which became kind of. Elmo's Elmo's fun. I, I like Elmo. Elmo's a really good character. I've seen some of Elmo's World. And the two things I like about Elmo's World, if I'm thinking of it properly, is Mr. Noodle. Because yeah. the story of an idiot man who can't do anything right. An and adult just mime who can't even like. Tie his shoes or something. He's yeah, like, he's got like a mustache and stuff. This is not a child. Like, don't put um, your glasses on your wrists. That's where the wrist lock is. That kind of stuff. And then the other one that's really nice that's always fun to watch is Elmo interacting with kids because the kids are just like in complete awe of seeing this puppet and they're just giggling all the time. And then Elmo's poking at him. It's, it's, it's just really just nice stuff the only thing i don't like about elmo because his design was like he wasn't he was a grover he wasn't intended to become huge so he's just like generic monster he just looks like yeah. a red rug with googly eyeball yeah that's true he doesn't head. have much of a distinctive visual element going on yeah. which is yeah, i mean i guess that kind of a little unfortunate yeah I mean, unfortunate but he's cool he's a cool guy so that's the story of the Tickle Me Elmo craze from 1996. I'm tired of this fad. Let's move on to the next fad. For the next craze. So what was it? So we had a craze taking place in the mid 80s, a craze that took place in the mid 90s. And now we will move on to a craze that took place in the late 90s. And this one's so the big one. The 90s was all about toy craze. Yeah, I think we just didn't have... Self-control or something. I think that was the last era you could have these things. Yeah, I was going to say, what's really interesting about this next craze is that it just, I feel like it encapsulates a lot of, it's just pure 90s, pure late 90s. Like there's so much going on, so many pieces of it that feel like this only could have happened in the late 90s. It's, It's everything about it. So let's watch the final commercial of the craze batch. First I got Pinky, then I got Pinky. I got Pinky and Patty in the same week. What, Vanessa catch something? Teeny Beanie baby items. Now at McDonald's, your kids can get Teeny Beanie Babies and a Happy Meal. Real Thai Beanie Babies in a mini size. To toss, tuck, or just plain love. One's in each $1.99 hamburger Happy Meal you buy your kids. This uh, Teeny Beanie baby items, will she outgrow it? Not necessarily. <laughs> McDonald's also has extra value meals starting at $2.99. After all, we care about big kids, too. Such a jazzy tune to this. So we are going to be talking about Beanie Babies. Can't talk about a toy craze without Beanie Babies. So this particular commercial is a McDonald's commercial. If you would like to watch it, it's called 1997 McDonald's Teeny Beanie Babies commercial. So McDonald's released a version of Beanie Babies in the 90s. So in this commercial, it's a bunch of kids in a house talking about the Teeny Beanie Babies that they've gotten. And it just shows them showing off the flamingo or something like that. And then the commercial shows you the various teeny beanie babies that you can get. So you can get a seal, a flamingo, some sort of platypus. We had the lizard. We definitely had the lizard. 
I don't quite remember that. We definitely had a lizard. It has got to be somewhere because that lizard, I remember that lizard because I remember, I think I remember getting it and just being like, oh, the lizard. <laughs> I just, didn't want this on. I yeah, I, I would, I would have, yeah, exactly. I was about to say I would have wanted the seal. Anyway, in the commercial, just kind of continues showing kids playing with the various Beanie Babies, shows you a McDonald's Happy Meal. And then it shows the parents talking off to the side when the man asks the woman, presumably his wife, you know, is she ever going to get over this craze? And the mom ends up saying, and she puts a Beanie Baby on her shoulder, indicating that anybody can be crazy about these Beanie Babies. So that's the end of the commercial, the kind of... Thing at the end is just showing a dad eating McDonald's with his kid. But McDonald's knew that this also appealed to adults. So I think that's why there's that kind of small bit where the woman's kind of saying like, you know, I like the Beanie Babies too. Uh, yeah, because this Beanie Baby craze, even though you'd think it was for kids, people who were clearly not children were big into the Beanie Baby thing. Like it turned into this whole nightmarish speculative market thing it was (laughs) is a weird universe that we lived in for what like five years i don't remember how long it lasted but it was a lot longer than i thought yeah this commercial was from 1997 but the commercials were really hard to find except for this mcdonald's brand which i'll explain in a minute the beanie babies were stuffed furry beanbag like toys that you could collect. They were created by Ty Inc. by a man named Ty Warner with the idea of affordable kids plush toys. Yeah, they were only $5. Oh, I didn't know that. I just assumed they were a lot of money because probably because I remember them being worth a lot of money. (laughs) Not too many specifics are known about Ty Warner. Even He's kind of a mysterious billionaire. He's very secretive. He's rarely photographed. And even less interviewed. And I feel like he, I have a vision of him. I think I've seen him. You probably saw the stationary pictures they took a few times. Yeah, ago. that's what I mean. Like He's just like, oh, there's babies all over. He had bad social anxiety. So he was like a stereotypical mysterious billionaire. They said that one of his heroes was probably Howard Hughes. And he kind of became... Oh, right. Him. Okay. A little bit about his background. The most we know is from a book by some guy. I think he was a student researching the craze. And then he ended up getting a lot of back access story. He came from a broken home. His mother was unfortunately a paranoid schizophrenic who never got better. Even when he was a success, he was sewing the toys himself because he was a really micromanaging, hard guy to work with. Mm. So he was sewing the things, and when he was with his girlfriend sewing, his mother just had a paranoid attack, and she just started screaming at his girlfriend, you're ugly, that's why he's never going to marry you, you're stupid. Just like horrible stuff like that. And one time, his sister woke up, and his mother was brandishing a knife over her face. Wow. She was not not being treated, clearly. Not intending to hurt her, but she just branded it over her face, and she just never got better and sad. His father, a toy maker. Yeah was very abusive to all of them. He was oh, dear. abusive and he would abuse his sister a lot. And in order to get back at him, Ty Warner would date his father's girlfriends at the same time. Okay, this is all father, very dysfunctional. <laughs> his father 
threw him out of the house by sending him to military school for no reason. But that probably helped him out because it taught him discipline and his business acumen, I guess. Because he played a lot of sports at that time. So that was probably a good time in his life. Yeah. He later briefly became an actor. I don't know how with his social anxiety he became an actor, but I guess a lot of them have that, don't they? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think you can compartmentalize or yeah. it's just on screen so you don't have to deal with as many people. I think also... In some cases, I think the older you get or the richer you get, the more like yeah. reclusive you can get. So, maybe Especially if you're a billionaire who can't relate too much anymore. And then he went to work for the plush company, Dakin. So at Dakin, the owner said that he's one of the greatest salesmen he'd ever met. It's probably too good because he was selling competing products while working <laughs> for them. And the owner said, as good as you are, you're fired. <laughs> Fair. That's fair. So after that, he started his company in Chicago in 1986, Ty Inc. He started off with a lifelike beanie cat. He was said to walk around with the beanie cat and pet it. And then when someone said, oh, my gosh, what's the name of the cat or something? And he's like, oh, that's not a real cat. And he's like, "Okay, I succeeded in what I made. He was really, really meticulous. He says, if it's perfect, it's still not perfect. And we still can change it. Which kind of comes into play because there's a lot of variations in these things. (laughs) So after the beanie cat, he started experimenting on other animals and colors. (laughs) Taken out of context, it sounds weird. He started experimenting (laughs) with other animals and colors. I love Dr. Moreau. So he thought that the cat was too thick. So so (laughs) he lightly stuffed these next ones with with the beanies. Ah, okay. He did that so that you could pose them, sort of. You know how you can kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know exactly. There's a little bit of weight to them, but it's not like overtaken by cotton. So there's kind of this... That's interesting, though. Yeah. So he unleashed them upon the world in 1993. They're produced in South Korea. And there were initially nine of them. I remember one of them was like a lobster. And one of them was... Lobster? What an odd choice. Peanut the elephant. Peanut. Peanut. He wanted to make them affordable for kids, so they only sold at $5. They did not instantly sell because they were only sold at mom and pop shops. They, he didn't sell them at uh, Toys R Us and Walmart and stuff like that. Oh. Which ah. kind of came into play because of all this. They didn't instantly sell, but they didn't go to Jane Polly or Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> They themselves were master manipulators of the market. Oh. Scarcity. (laughs) They created a collecting bubble by making variations of the animals and deliberately halting production on others, partially because of his OCD. He's like, this one doesn't look good anymore. Shove it away. So the one was selling, they'd take it out. Then it'd be like, okay, look, these are selling. It started off with mothers who collected them in the Chicago area. Then when people look back, it's like, what happened to that? particularly this royal blue elephant named Peanut the Elephant. Then they switch it to baby blue. They're like, what happened to the royal blue? There's only like 2,000, okay? Oh, this wow. Their rarity would increase after that and become rare collectibles, especially the, the first nine. The lobster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the lobster. He refused to sell them big stores, so it made them even more rare. And they didn't advertise the traditional way. So that's, that's why- That's so strange. This, How did yeah. 
that's why it was word of mouth. It was collectors and stuff getting in touch with each other. That's why this McDonald's commercial is rare. It's one of the yeah. few things he actually things like, Yeah. <clears throat> so once word got out with all the rarities, that's when the craze really began. People were even like, you could pay for your kids college education with this and everything it was just sad it sounds like i don't know nft type of universe here yeah right okay created a bad secondary market they created their own demand they scalped there's even fraud one of them was like they got it and then they started kind of peeling off the flakes and it it wasn't the royal blue elephant it was just a baby blue Uh. elephant got ripped off Oh, that would just be painful. All of this, and the U.S. Customs Service had to respond to the rise in smuggling. That's stupid. The, the U.S. to Canadian border had a lot of smuggling of Beanie Babies. It was like, they said it was probably it was not as much as guns and and drugs, but it was up there. <laughs> probably a nice day for you if you're dealing with that stuff. It's like, oh, it's just Beanie Babies. Thank God. Rather they than, need like, to I train this. Bomb sniffing dogs, drug sniffing dogs, beanie baby sniffing dogs. <laughs> that elephant. Find us peanuts. All of this was exacerbated by the rise of the internet. That's what I feel like I remember about this because I feel like this thing was able to proper word of mouth even further because of nascent kind of internet life, like yeah. forums and message boards and junk like that. By now, the internet was exploding. Trading on eBay was taking off, and suddenly there were millions of highly sought-after Beanie Baby toys being traded globally. That's what what I just find really interesting about it. So they used the internet, basically, to their advantage. One of his employees, Lena Trevetti, encouraged him to go digital because he was an old-fashioned guy. I think he was born in the mid-40s. And she is sometimes credited with creating and being the webmaster of the first business-to-consumer website for Thai Inc., e-commerce yeah e-commerce it would tell which people would retire <laughs> yeah didn't he started in like 94 and didn't hit big until like later or something like that yeah let's well, not talk about huge, him so it would t- <laughs> it would tell which beanies would be retired and then the speculators were like oh, okay we gotta look for pinky the flamingo whatever the heck and those would go up in the van. eBay that's, was also one of the man. biggest things. Even on eBay's site, they have under the timeline the 1997 that eBay alone sold $500 million worth of the Beanie Babies. That's right. And that's it was so, so funny. It was when it, in its early days, it was so yeah. big. eBay was kind of reliant on the Beanie Babies that they had to assess. They had their bean counters assess <laughs> that if the Beanie Babies failed, how much revenue would we lose? Can we even stay afloat? Jesus. Big they were on that. That's so, oh, wow. Okay. So this is all like the, the beginnings of the internet, which is always just fascinating because yeah, it course, felt proper Wild West kind of stuff. Yeah, like anything other, was happening. Other websites. That's what I kind of like about this era, even with the dot-com and everything. Now it's just... It all feels managed by like again. three companies and like yeah. the algorithm and all this stuff. Just yeah. a bit depressing, you know, the Matrix. Um, Matrix make- Revolution's out now. Um. <laughs> in, order to, in order to make them more uh, individualized and raise up their prices, Trivedi 
suggested they write the poems and then ty warner said okay you write the poems she had to write like 83 poems a day or something for the oh. whole things on the animals tag you had like zach the zebra is a cool soccer coach and he loves playing <laughs> games. and then at the end of the tag it said please visit our website one of the first apparently <laughs> Then around 1997, they started selling the teeny beanie babies at McDonald's. Real Thai beanie babies in a mini size. It's one of their rare partnerships. Sizing. Yeah. 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 Interesting. The man was really high that they sold all their inventory in a week. People would go up to buy, adults would go up to buy Happy Meals. <laughs> and then they'd say, okay, I got the toy. Uh, you can keep the food. And the, the clerks didn't know what to do. That there were buttons that said, I survived the Beanie Baby wave. <laughs> <laughs> How did we get a Beanie Baby if they were like selling out? That's weird. I guess because we bought them. Maybe it was an overused one. They're like, oh, I guess. Oh, I was going to say maybe that. Wasn't there like at one stage, maybe like a ban? It's like you can only buy it if you have a kid or something like that. I don't remember. Maybe I made that up. Yeah. They refused to sell some of the more valuable ones or some of the newer ones. Until the others were sold first, McDonald's right. policy, and they were everywhere now. Sports bears like Chicago Bears or something. They yeah. sold at stadium as promotions, and of course, the crazy the story. theme. <laughs> there were fights in the stores. There was thievery. There was, of course, tramplings, which is always sad. There was even an alleged murder. This guy killed this security guard. He said because Jesus. He said because the security guard he got him to lose his job at the lumber yard. But when they investigated, they saw that there was probably a beanie baby transaction. This is and insane. See, got, this is like the culmination of this. Like well, crazy. kick off with the, the, the cabbage patch to this to this mess. Adults can't yeah, be trusted. At least the other two had love. For the toys. I know, I'm just saying, it. like, this there was an escalation like an of escalation crazy. of the secondary black market. One divorce had to get the judge to decide how to. Yeah, there's like, there's, a, there's like a viral like picture of that. $5,000, yeah. That always pops up. They're on like the floor and there's this massive pile of beanie babies. And people were encouraging other people to quit their job and invest in the beanie babies. Like I said, you could pay for your kids college fund and retirement, which is so sad because I feel it's just like, let's make NFTs. Yeah. It all feels a bit, <laughs> sorry. And I keep bragging on them, but it just feels like that it feels that kind of yeah. scammy internet universe. One of the rounds uh, that caused a big stir was after the unfortunate 1997 death of the beloved princess Diana. They had the Princess Diana bear. Yeah. With it was like blue silk or something. And yeah. It sold up to $2,000. In 1998, it surpassed $1 billion in sales. Thai Inc. Uh -huh. And in 1999, Ty Warner was worth $5 billion. Though he was claimed to be stingy, which we'll get <laughs> into him a little bit later. Warner said he was against the secondary speculative market because it's, I mean, it drove up the price too much. But he saw the writing on the wall, and in a final stunt to create more demand, Warner said he would stop selling at the dawn of the new millennium with a black bear called The End. <clears throat> that sounds really get that a one. bit too <laughs> dramatic. I like the idea of those. Like, yeah, I'd get the bear the end. Like, none of the other things interest me, but a bear called the end is kind of cool. Unfortunately, at that time, 
it was going down. And people were like, you're not going to give up on your best-selling toy. Come on. It backfired. Demand did not go up. And he had continued selling them. The specular market was dying off. And other crazes like Tamagotchi and Pokemon and Furby. There was a lot of crazes back then. There there? were! God, we could do like two more episodes. Maybe that's what we do next. Tamagotchi, Furby, and... Yeah, just pure nineties. Yeah, Tamagotchi. I already Furby. said the next episode. There you go, guys. Await that one. Yeah. But there were too many crazes yeah. going on that the beanie babies probably yeah, had the beanie babies were pushed to the back. Pack it up. And by the early two thousands, Thai Inc. lost thirty nine million dollars in revenue. Ooh. So it was a pretty good craze though, ninety five to two thousand. Yeah, that's pretty. That's, that's pretty strong. They're still around. They still sell toys. The beanie babies. The website looks kind of outdated actually <laughs> <laughs> so they really just went we created the first this? e-commerce store done oh, seriously. seriously i was researching this and looking up on youtube every ad <laughs> on the sidebar google ad was uh <laughs> tie in beanie babies by all guide freaks by the end oh yeah the beanie babies have that weird eyeball yeah. situation going on i don't like that as much it wasn't all happy sunshine and rainbows for Ty Warner, like his childhood. Ty Warner was charged with tax evasion in 2013. He'd been avoiding his taxes since, I think, the early 90s when he started the company or something. What? Warner's been accused of hiding as much as $107 million in a Swiss bank account to avoid paying taxes on it. He was forced to pay $53 million in community service. In court, he cried in front of the judge. It's like, I didn't even have to do it, but... For some reason, I did it, and then uh, he just sounds unwell. We're like, look, man, he had a hard childhood. Go easy on him. And they also took into to consideration his philanthropy. He was generous okay. to other people, but he was he had a weird relationship with his sister. He was close to his sister because of their shared abuse, but he's also kind of mean to her. He because abusive hurt I think people. He hurt shut people. out his his girlfriends out of their share of how they helped him in the company they came up with some ideas but he took all the credit his sister she needed a hundred thousand dollar house but he said i don't have the money even though he was worth like five million dollars right dollars and she needed money more crucially for surgery and he said uh no i can't do that get some of your children who i've literally never seen to help you out so he was just and he was so meticulous with he sounds unwell yeah, when he set up the booths, even before and after it became super huge, his workers were there doing it for like hours to his specifications. Then when he got there, he saw it was, that one's not that good, that one's not that good. And then he just trashed the whole stuff and then he put it together all by himself. And it was just crazy. So he was uh-huh. like a nightmare to work with. And he sells these happy toys. Well, that's... The end of the teeny beanie beanie baby craze. And uh, they're pretty much not worth anything anymore. Except for maybe the Princess Diana in the end and Peanut the Elephant. The Royal Bear. Probably not. They're not that much worth at all. They're not worth like $2,000. I saw one on eBay that was like 50 cents. I was like, that's so sad because this was Yeah, that's a significant drop. I lived through it. It was huge. Um, okay, 
let's speed through this because I think we've had quite quite enough of this crazy stuff. So <laughs> we're gonna get into our favorite commercials. Review. Okay. Okay, so we've got Cabbage Patch, Tickle Me Elmo, and the Teeny Beanie Babies commercial from McDonald's. Which is your least favorite? Least favorite? Probably Tickle Me Elmo. It, it's just too short. It gets to the point. It's just like, okay. The most exciting part is when he's cartoon. He turns into a, a toy, and then they tickle him. That's it. What, how much can you do for a preschooler? Yeah, I, I think I kind of agree. I really like it because it's really effective in terms of just showing, like, what the doll does and what the kids do and stuff. And I think that's just a really nice aspect to it. But beyond that, yeah, it's not exactly the most riveting commercial. Yeah, but it's and cute. It really and it's, 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 it's yeah. cute and it's well done. So what's number two? What's the middle? I'm having a bit of a tough time, but I'll go with the McDonald's. I'll go with McDonald's because I guess it has a whole story to it. The dad is goofy, but... He, he doesn't act too bad. He's like, what the heck do they see in all these toys? And his what mo- is this? Wife the whatever. man clearly is not on the internet. Um. <laughs> Probably because it took 20 minutes to get on. <laughs> and then when anyone called, it would cut it off. But yeah, so his wife is into it. Kids are into it. It, it plays to like, wow, Marin, this is really big. I wonder why people like yeah, it. Yeah, I, I like it too. I think that is second for me. I don't know. I guess part of it too is like it's a McDonald's commercial, you know? So... Yeah. Like, it feels like it plays like a McDonald's commercial. But, you know, McDonald's does its commercials well. So it's got kind of the whimsy of it. And, you it feels know, a little eat, eat these burgers. Better, it feels a little better than other ones because other ones are like, oh, well, I, it tastes good. Or something. Even well, there's something boring. else to sell, kind of. Yeah, I think Happy exactly. Meal commercials tend to be a bit different as well when they're partnered with someone because of that. Like, they focus yeah, on even whatever then, that product is. There's yeah. still a little, This one had a little more something to it for some reason. Yeah. And my favorite is... I said I had a hard time because this one, designer kids, uh, this doesn't do much for me, actually, but it is the best with its ashtray, early 80s look. But I guess the whole storyline, they're interacting with the toy and even adults are like, oh, look, I'm coding. And they have a personality, you know, the kids, they're they're bringing their kids who look like them, their kids, they're having fun, you know, like there's a relationship there. Yeah, I mean, like it's, it's really 80s as well, where it over explains and overdoes it. Like, here's a kid enjoying it and another kid enjoying it and was, another kid enjoying it. Like, I feel like the 80s had this vibe about it that did I that. I was but upset it's that nice. they didn't have a, a through narrator, a yeah, 70s narrator, or a, or a cool jingle. That kind of, Just yeah, it was missing. Do you know what I said? It was, with claymation I, or whatever. I said it was classic, but yeah, you're right. It's missing some of those really that would just put the you know icing on the cake for this being an '80s commercial. It was mature. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Which one would you buy? I actually think I'd buy Tickle Me Elmo. I'd probably get the most joy out of it because I do like the the vibration aspect of it. It's just really funny. It's like yeah, I guess Tickle Me Elmo is the most interactive. The other ones are just it's the most things that sit there. 
it's the most interactive, but also I think the commercial, like I said earlier, does sell it well. It's just kids touch yeah. it, do this, and they're just like laughing like crazy. And even old me watching it just finds that really fun, you know? The others, I never liked the look of a cabbage patch, so a commercial is going to have a really difficult time selling that to me. And yeah, like I kind of do want fries, Maybe. but I think... We have I that, think what's that dog called? That Sherpa dog? Lots of ups, a Sherpa Zerpa dog, Shizu dog. Didn't we have a TY Beanie Baby? Oh, yeah. It was a bigger got, type, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a bigger type. It wasn't a Beanie yeah, Baby. I, it was just a dog. I'd go with Tickle Me Omo 2. Yappy. Yappy. Yeah, I think it was TY. I'd say it was. Tickle Me Omo 2 because it's the most interactive. It you tickle and it jiggles around. I, I kind I kind of vaguely remember that it was kind of rough when it jiggled around. Right? Yeah, it could be intense. So I, I feel like I have had one of like, uh, whoa, this one's a bit more and, like but it, fuzzy. Compares, it, it doesn't compare to the actually released 90s TMX Tickle Me Elmo Extreme. That's everything was there. extreme back yeah, then. Even freaking Elmo. He Tickle didn't me have Elmo like, Extreme. He didn't have a skateboard or a helmet or anything, but uh he did like backflips and stuff. He like oh up. cool yeah I remember that. You say like yeah. whoa what's going on with Elmo here? He doesn't even do that on the show. <laughs> yeah so. All right. Yeah I remember with Elmo my it was the holiday season. I was with my I was eleven. Like we were with our youngest uncle and our old uh, our oldest cousin from mom's side. We were just watching it and then had some NBC report or whatever. Oh the tickle me Elmo craze. Everyone's going crazy over it. Me and my cousin were like. What? Why are they doing that? One lady yeah. got Elmo and she started like shaking and crying. We were like, "What?" Okay, yeah, that's I don't too even much. Like that much. <laughs> I think we were definitely too old for it by that point, but still, it does open your eyes to like, why would you be that mad over this? Okay. Okay. So that one is last, one last quick one. Which one would you go crazy over? None. Eh. I feel like I was alive for all of them and I didn't go crazy uh, over any of them. I was an adult that say maybe the beanies. Maybe the beanies. That was going to be my answer because like maybe the beanies. Open, don't believe. All right. So that was was the latest craze and now it's over. So that was crazy stuff. So this was, like we said, kind of for the the Christmas season. These are the hot toys of the era and people going crazy and stepping over other people to be able to get them. So we hope that you do not do that this Christmas and that you enjoy with your loved ones and your toys, etc. And that is our Christmas wish to you. Uh, I didn't get do you have my anything Christmas to add? Wish. I <laughs> just said I didn't get my Christmas wish, which was I just want a... G.I. Joe Extreme. <laughs> well, you're not going to get it because I'm pretty sure those are not sold anywhere. Okay, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. We appreciate you listening this year. It's been a long one um, and we've been producing these. So, yay. Make sure to subscribe to us if you haven't already on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook as Retro Ad Review. We'll be back. We'll be back soon with probably the sequel to this eventually, but we do have some other ideas percolating. There are millions of commercials out there and we need to talk about them all. So there's no chance of stopping us anytime soon. So Merry Christmas to you guys and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye.
crazy.